you know, it's always a new day, the first of the year. And uh, just like outside, you know, the weather people have been trying to prepare us. How many of you watch the Weather Channel? You know, I'm, I'm older, so I watch the Weather Channel. That's what my son says, Matthew. You know, Mother, you always know the weather. Well, you know, I always want to be prepared. How many of you want to be prepared? <laughs> and I've found that the Weather Channel isn't always right in, in the things that they say because weather has a mind of its own. It doesn't always show up when it's supposed to. I woke up at 2.30 this morning, and I looked out because they had said it would start snowing, I don't know, sometime, and they wasn't doing anything. I woke up at 6, and it was snowing. But I, I, God makes provision for whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. I do know that, no matter what it is. And so, uh, though this is a storm that's coming, and everybody needs to get in and get out of the, the extreme cold, God will make provision for anything that has to be done. We're not limited by weather. We're not limited by circumstances. We're not limited by anything because we have a God who is unlimited in his provision. And, um, Corey, I need you to get that song ready for this year. God will supply. I I was going to try it last Sunday when I played and I gave that up in a hurry. Hallelujah. But, uh, Corey wrote a song that says, God will supply all of my needs. And the reason, because he loves me. And if you were here last Sunday, Pastor Bill preached on the power of love. Uh, you know, this year is going to be a year where Jesus is exalted so much so that nobody will be able to argue issues. You know, you can't argue issues when you see proof. You can no longer debate something when you have proof that he is who he says he is. And um, I've just felt like this is a year of miraculous intervention. Everybody say miraculous, miraculous. intervention. And um, every time I would go, when, I, when we received things, uh, gifts, or uh, I went to write a note, actually, to Bonnie Beetle for the trip we made to Florida. And uh, when I wrote it, uh, it was like my pen wrote, and I believe you will experience the miraculous intervention of God in every area of your life this year. And I thought, well, that wasn't what I was thinking to say. And then every time I would write a thank you note to somebody for our Christmas gifts, that would just, it would just like be write that, write that. And the Bible says that when you write the vision, it becomes clear. And when it's clear, then everybody who reads it can run with it. And uh, so for myself, even, I must have written that a lot of times over the last couple of weeks, but in my heart, God has established something on the inside of me that I am very excited about 2014. I'm excited about every year that I've lived. But some years have been good and some have been better. Would you agree? (laughs) Some have been good and some have been better than good. And, uh, you know, the ones that were good, um, I learned a lot. They weren't necessarily, uh, you know, like fireworks and everything. In fact, they were like, drug through the wilderness backwards kind of feeling, you know, and like, oh, dear Jesus. And so uh, last October, um, the Lord really spoke to me and said, uh, I want you to come away and spend time with me. I have some things I want to tell you about what's coming, and you need to know what's coming. And uh, I know my my husband, uh, he has a word he'll be sharing soon about what's coming in the world. But God spoke to me, I want to show you what's coming at Victory Christians. I want to show you what I'm getting ready to do. And uh, so for the last, since October last year, I have spent some days, four and five hours, sitting in the park. I have used a lot of gas. 
in, in when it was cold. And uh, I'm using a lot of gas this year because, but he, you know, it alternate between the park and the river, the park and the river. And invariably, when I get down by that river, God began to speak to me about what he was going to bring down that river, you know, and the flow that was coming. And it was, it was, it was so much like 1979 when God took me and, and my three children to Tulsa. And it was the hardest year of my life because I didn't have my family. That was my greatest uh, hurt was that I, I was isolated. Well, I had my children, but how many of you know they're not as encouraging as older people? And uh, so, you know, I mean, uh, they, they, I had to take care of them. I couldn't, you know, just say, oh, well, figure your life out. And, uh, and so that year was very hard, although I felt like it more than one time. Uh, but, but, you know, they were attached to me. I had to do something. And so uh, this year, though, was very difficult again for me, very hard for me to stay in a place of isolation and not be able to talk and not be able to say what God was saying to me, not be able to really share what God was saying to me, and not even with my husband a lot of times because he was on a world channel and I was on a church channel. And they were, they, you know, they were both going forward, but what he was seeing and what I was seeing, you know, I couldn't see all that he was seeing and he couldn't see all that I was seeing, but we knew we were going down the same road. And, um, and then when we got to the end of that road, about October this year, we began to see, yeah, we're going, we're going to the same place. We just have different assignments. And, uh, you know, he, his assignment really is over this church as the, the president of the corporation. That's who, that's his role has been since we founded it. And that, that's ultimately the protector over, over the whole vision. But, uh, you know, I've always been alongside him. I, I preached for those few years. Uh, I don't know what's coming this year, but I do know that it's going to take everybody in this church playing their part. It's going to take everybody playing the part that God has designed for them to play for this year. And I want to share a message this, today with you. Um, you know, I thought, should I wait till next week? I believe there is a part two to it, but so I can catch up if I have to. But those of you who are here are here on, by divine purpose this morning. And uh, I believe that God will show you things for your life because this is a year of miraculous intervention. That means that God's going to show up in ways that we cannot do it. And you may have things right now in your life you feel there's just no way we can do that. Well, I'm telling you, this is a year that you can do it because God is going to do it for you. I mean, you're not going to do it. You have to be faithful to what God tells you to do through it, but you are not going to make it happen. We cannot make it happen. It's a timing issue. It's just like when Jesus was born. And I want you to turn to Matthew in chapter 1 of Matthew. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Joseph for a minute. Everybody say, divinely instructed. You know, there's instructions, excuse me, that come from man. There's, you know, we, we all report to somebody somewhere. So there's instructions that come from people. There's uh, instructions that come maybe through a book that you're reading. You know, we're always being instructed and, and taught, hopefully, all of our lives. We continue to be teachable. But uh, as we're walking in those things, uh, there's a point in time where we're divinely instructed. And uh, there's nothing wrong with people getting an education. I mean, we're all to be educated. We're all to be prepared for whatever it is that God's calling us to. Uh, Thank God for universities that educate people. But where they step over the limit is in trying to control people into uh, a humanistic value system and leaving God out. It was meant to be a collaboration between education 
and the wisdom and the power of God through the knowledge of the word of God. There were other components. And uh, at ORU, Brother Roberts always was talking about the whole person. And, you know, we can't just build the mind up. We have to build the spirit up so that the mind will do what the spirit of God is saying. And so Joseph, of course, Jesus came through the lineage of Joseph, even though he was born of a virgin Mary. She was not in the lineage of Jesus. He was. And so he, it says in verse 18 of Matthew 1, now the birth of Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, she could have been stoned for being pregnant. She could have lost her life but he didn't want anything to happen to her, was minded, everybody say minded, to put her away secretly. In his thinking, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, what was he saying? Of the lineage of Christ, the one who really was the one who had authority over what would happen in his family. Mary accepted the the position of carrying the child but joseph clearly had the authority over this situation to do what god told him to do he was in the lineage of david and so as he was told the angel said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take your mary to take you mary your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins now, this is the father of a child that he did not father. This is the person that is responsible for God's vision for ultimately us. He is the one that's going to have to take care of this family, Mary and baby Jesus. So if you go on in that situation right there, the first thing God says is do not be afraid. Always when God speaks. Always, when God speaks divinely to somebody, he always says, do not be afraid. Why? Because it's so impossible that our first response is, I can't do that in whatever form. It's like, oh, my goodness, that, 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 you know, that can't be what God would want me to do. In this situation, he said, do not be afraid. Then he told him what was going to be. So he minded to do one thing, but he was divinely instructed to do a different thing. And as the one who was responsible for that situation, he did exactly, it says he did exactly what God said to do. Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, verse 24, and took him, took to him his wife and did not know her until he brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So he was divinely instructed to do something that he, he thought to do a, a good thing, but God had a better thing. And so the divine instruction also came with it, the ability to carry it out as the father of Jesus in the earth. And so it goes on and it happens again in, in chapter two, it says in 13, you know, Herod was aware that the, and the enemy is always aware. Let me tell you, the enemy is always aware God is doing something. He's aware, he sees, he, he used Herod. But he uses people just like God does. But he used Herod to try to destroy the plan of God. That always happens. Everybody say it always happens. Before miracle intervention, there will always be a plan to stop 
what God wants to do. And it will come through a person. It will come through a situation. People are always involved. If you study the scripture, it's always been people, just like it's always been people that God did things through. So when this happened, it says, now when they had, when they had departed, that, that's when the wise men had departed. Jesus at this time is about two. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, take the child and his mother. Now, who's he speaking to again? Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Speaking to Joseph, and he, he warned him in a dream, not, not, you know, people telling him Herod's about to do something. God warned him, and he said, take him, take the child, his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word. To who brings word? God. You stay there till I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. God says in, in Old Covenant, oftentimes, behold, I will do a new thing. Or he'll say, but before it springs forth, I will tell you. God always instructs the leader. Everybody say the leader. And in this case, Joseph is a leader of the family. If you have a family here today, you are the leader of that family. God will instruct you. Now, it will not be your thought process. And uh, I found in my life, uh, especially in the last three months, God wakes me up at 5 or 5.30. I thought, dear Jesus, can we pick a better time? I am going to the park later. You know, I am going to go study. I mean, I don't need to wake up this early. But you know what? I wake up. I hear clearly, 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 clearly. I fall back asleep and sleep another hour. I used to lay there and think, I got to get up. I got to get up. I can't do this. But I started focusing on he is trying to tell me something, and he must be awake 24-7. Of course, the Bible says that. But, you know, I, he, he, he will speak when we can receive it. It isn't when we plan. How many of you have had teenagers and they get older and they, they want to talk about one thirty in the morning? Have you ever tried to wake up for that conversation? You know, but, but if you don't wake up, then you're going to miss it. And it's the same with God. If you do not obey instantly, everybody say instantly, divine, divine instruction, God said to me, requires instant obedience. Divine instruction requires instant obedience. And it may not be what you feel to do, but if you're assigned the position, you have to step up to the office. So he did what it says. It says, when he arose, he took the child, his mother, by night, departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. See, God's plans have to be fulfilled. There's always the divine instruction. There's the plan of the enemy to stop it. And then there's the fulfillment. Only, everybody say only. When there's instant obedience to what God said. If there isn't, there will be trouble in that interim time. Now, you might ultimately get to the end of it, but it's not going to be the same as if you'd have done it right when God said. And so I believe this year of 2014, if it's going to be a year of miraculous intervention, we have to be trained to live like this. We have to be prepared to live like this. Not our thoughts, not that we don't have thoughts, but we have to be aware that God's good, better is better than our good and that we are able to plan and we we're called to plan god said to me you plan your way i'll direct your steps that's this kind of thing with joseph he planned his way he was going to try to protect mary but god came along and said do this and so everybody knew she was pregnant how many of you know pregnancy is not a thing you can hide and so everybody saw that he was with her and that she was pregnant and it was not his child And so all those things, I'm sure they had quite a conversation around the town. How many of you know that bring a lot of people's 
opinions and, and criticism and all those things. But when you're divinely instructed, you have to keep your focus like Joseph did on what God said. But it was to fulfill the scripture that out of Egypt, I called my son. That's an Old Testament prophecy. God is thorough. He's orderly. He does everything on time in his way. Then the third one is uh, in verse 19. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. But he didn't say where. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. So he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to to uh, the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah, Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned, everybody say warned. Uh, in the Amplified, it says divinely warned, which means it comes out of the mouth of God. Being divinely warned by God in the dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, everybody say fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. See, God is so specific in his word. In the old covenant, he says it. In the new covenant, now Joseph could have taken that child and just gone back to where he, where he came from. Because the angel of the Lord said, go back to Israel. I want to tell you, God knows about you so much that he will be specific. He will say to you, do not go there, go here. And do not go there, then go now. And don't do this, but do this. And every, every day, every day that we wake up, we have never been this way before. God said to me, you have never been this way before. You cannot go forward one day. You cannot, uh, you know, I started saying a few things that God had told me to, you know, that, that I knew we were going a, a new direction and I heard God say, but I didn't have answers. And you know how sometimes you feel like you have to have an answer? And uh, right away, God said to me, you should not be saying anything that I did not say. Now, in these kind of situations, it becomes very critical in the spirit. Everybody say in the spirit. Because there is, a, there is a force. There is a devil. He wants to stop the plan of God. And we have to stay exactly on that path that God has called us to. And there will be things to try to pull us off. There will be distractions. There will be good ideas. There will be better ideas to maybe our understanding and our knowledge. But they're not God's. They are not God's idea. And so when God begins to explain things to us, we need to be open to hear them. I believe this is a prophetic word for this year in the church. If we do not hear God every day for what we're doing, we are going to end up in a very precarious position because the world is shaking. Just like it says in Hebrews chapter, I think it's chapter 10, 11, where it says everything that can be shaken will be shaken because God is a consuming God. He is a fire. And, and when he reveals himself in, in 2014, it is going to be in a mighty way. And I'm not the only one saying that. I mean, I've heard that from other people that I respect. 2014, 2015, tremendous years in the kingdom of God for God's magnificent to be seen in the earth by people, not what we do, but by what he's going to do through us. Divine instruction, it means of, related to, or proceeding from God, and it requires instant obedience. The first thing you will hear from God is always do not fear. Do not fear. Because what God has planned is going to be much bigger than what we can do in our natural understanding. I believe there'll be 
changes in direction for people this year, changes in the role they fill this year in this earth, things that God has called them to from the beginning of time. Uh, I believe that for you, uh, Pam. I believe that for you and Steve. I believe it's a year where we don't seek God for what we're doing and how to do it better. It's a year we seek God to see what we should be doing. There's a difference. What should I be doing and not how do I do what I'm doing better are not the same thing. And when you begin to seek God, it's called putting Jesus first. The Bible says in, uh, in, the, in the word to the churches, the seven churches, God says at one point to one of the, uh, and it says to the angels, that's really uh, the pastors of those seven churches. He was calling them to accountability for their responsibility for their church. For, and each one had different responsibilities. But the one that he, he said that for me, he said to me once way back in uh, 1981, you have left your first love. Your lamp is going out. This is a year where Jesus has to be first. Has to be first in everything. Not about what we desire, not who we think we are, not, not, not even the things we've seen ourselves doing. It's about Jesus. And Jesus, what is it that I need to be doing this year, right now, today, for you, that will bring me into that place Just like it did Joseph, a place of safety for Jesus to grow until the time God said, bring him back. I believe it's that critical, just like it was here. But for this reason, everybody say this reason, fulfillment, fulfillment of what God wants to do. And uh, as as God began to speak this to me, um, I was in Florida and... uh, uh, with Bonnie, and we were we were having a good time. How many of you know 82 degrees is a lot better than this? A lot better than this. And uh, we spent like uh, three or four days, and we prayed about some things, talked about some things, some direction for her life, some changes that God was asking her to make, and difficult things. I, I know it was an assignment for me to be there, to come alongside and just stand with her in it. But um, she left, and God began to speak to me. And, and uh, I want to see how much time, because I may. What time do we stop? Okay. Well, you're all saved, aren't you? Okay. So we've taken care of that part. Okay. We know we're all saved, so we'll just go on. Um, Because I really feel like I'm supposed to speak this today. I said, Lord, are you sure? Because it's snowing outside. He said, I tell you what to do, not the weather. (laughs) I'll resolute. (laughs) And so I heard, I was in Florida. I went to the restaurant with Bonnie, and it's a restaurant my husband and I frequent called the Beach House. And, of course, I go there, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have my sunset salad. And I got my mouth all watering, you know, and everything. And, and the guy comes to wait on us. And, I, and when we went, it, it looked like the demolition derby had taken place. I mean, the whole place was torn up, gutted, the whole building. And, and of course, they have the sand in the area outside to eat, so I could eat out there. But everything was, like, torn up. There were porta-potties. How many of you know that's a real teardown process? When you bring in the port, now they were nicer porta potties than most, but they were still porta potties, and, uh, and it was just like, what has happened? So we go in, we sit down, and I order my sunset salad. I said, now I don't really want the dressing that comes on it. I, I want ranch dressing, and uh, he said we don't have ranch dressing, and I said what? I mean everybody has ranch dressing. Of course, being the Christian that I am. You know, I start to insist on my own way. And I said, well, um, I don't care for the other kind of, what kind of dressing do you have other than, he said, well, that's all we have. And I thought, 
what kind of place is, I mean, what are you people doing? <laughs> That's just what I thought. I thought, what, you aren't even going to have any business if you don't stop doing this. And, uh, you know, Bonnie looked at me and said, no ranch dressing? I mean, we're both in it now, you know. Yeah, that's just. But anyway, at the time, I just said, okay, well, I'll, I'll take whatever you have. No, no, I didn't. I changed what I ordered and got a sandwich instead because I, I don't care for that sweetie dressing. So anyway, sometimes you have to eat what you don't care for. I learned that from that lesson. But anyway, so I, I later, that you know, that just stuck in my mind, no ranch dressing. And uh, so the morning that I woke up and Bonnie left, God said to me, um, I'm going to make a mid-course correction for multiplication at the church. Heard it. And I thought, oh, really? Okay. And instantly, no ranch dressing. And I thought, I know there was no ranch dressing. What that got? And, I, and the Lord said to me, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm going to give you an example, and it's that restaurant. And the restaurant, the, they said to us when we sat down, our menu has been reduced due to the remodel of our facility. And I can't imagine why you would take ranch dressing out of the menu, but they did. And so God said to me, the reason they took ranch dressing out of the menu is because they had a smaller kitchen because of their remodel. And because of the smaller kitchen, they picked things for the menu that were more uh, conclusive of other kinds of things they were making so they only had to buy so much of everything that went all together and they even the the server said we even left things off the menu that people like the most but we had to to accommodate our menu and we made a menu that we felt would be the best for everybody and we would still function with a high quality of food and all this stuff and all this stuff started coming in my brain that, that it was like, this is what happened. The first step to a remodel is that you have to reduce what you can serve because you don't have as much space to do what you were doing. And, uh, and, and so, okay. And then he said, did you notice the customer care? The Lord said, and I said, yeah, I mean, there were people. I mean, you got out of your car. There were people right there to direct you. Well, you, know, you didn't know where to go because all the doors were boarded up. There wasn't anywhere to go. They'd take you all the way around to where you had to go, take you to the place where you said, uh, you know, how many, and they'd seat you. They'd come to the table immediately. They had lots more people serving. They had a lot more people taking care of people. And the Lord said to me, that's number two for a remodel. First, there's a reduction. Second is customer care covers you for what you're lacking, taking care of the people making a good, he said, did you notice? I mean, they had so many poinsettias. You couldn't go two feet without stepping on a poinsettia. They, they decorated extravagantly to cover for the porta potties. These were porta potties with red poinsettias everywhere. Uh, there were poinsettias around places where the door was boarded up. There were poinsettias everywhere. The Christmas tree was lit and God said, everything to the people appears as usual. As far as the season and what's going on, it looked like Christmas, but it, you know, in uh, outwardly, if you could look past all that, you could see all this mess. And then the third thing that he said to me, and everybody is saying the same thing. Everybody is saying the same thing. And it was true. They were all pointing toward the finished product. When we get through this, this is going to be a fantastic 
fantastic place. Now, what they were, you know, tooting their horn about was this uh, two-story facility that on top would be this great bar. Of course, you know, it's the beach, and people, you know, the people around there, a big bar up on the up on the second balcony, you know, looking over the ocean with all the stuff. But they all were saying the same thing. When this gets done, it's going to be wonderful. It is going to be great. Even the guy that plays the guitar and sings every night there, he stopped in his music. And we noticed that we went there two or three nights. And he every every time he would stop somewhere in that set and say, you know, let's let's give a hand to all of our servers. Let's just uh, let's just you know be grateful for all they've done. Let let's be thankful for you know the bartender. You know, and everybody cheered for the bartender. He pointed out that everything was great, even though in the natural, we had to wait forever to get a seat. But we didn't leave. We stayed. Uh, people were, I mean, lines of people still waiting to get in there, even though all this was going on. And God said to me. When, I, when, when there's a remodel, when there's things that have to be fixed or things that need to be added on to, you know, sometimes if you're building a house, you've got to add on to it. I don't know fully what's coming for Victor Christian Center this year, but I do know that for a season here, we're going to be in a remodel, that we're going to be remodeling for multiplication. Everybody say multiplication. And the one thing God said to me was multiplication isn't uh, first to do with people coming into the church it's first a spiritual a a spiritual remodel it's everybody getting their total focus on jesus and what he wants to do it's the same as joseph because he was assigned the responsibility being the father of jesus his focus first had to be spiritual not his natural understanding of what to do but spiritually and so number one i would like to encourage all of you this year first put seeking the lord for what it is in your life not how to do better what you're doing, but how to do exactly this year what God's asking. And it may be different than what you've done before. Uh, God was showing me that um, there were many times in the word of God where what was multiplication actually looked like division before it became multiplication. You know, uh, that the people after Stephen was stoned, it says in Acts, that they stoned him. And then out of that stoning, which was a horrible thing, uh, that the people were scattered, but it says they were scattered and they preached the gospel everywhere they went. And so the, the gospel was multiplied even out of a situation that didn't look like a good one. So God can make anything uh, turn, like Pastor Bill said last week, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So as you start through your life this year in a remodel, the first thing is write the vision. You can't write a vision if you don't know what God said. Habakkuk 2 to write it plainly so everybody can read it. Uh, that's why I'm sharing this this Sunday is that you, there are, when, when there's a remodel, there are changes, things that change. How many of you know last year things changed in your life? That there's always change. Welcome to life. You know, the Lord said to me, this is just another year that you will live life. It is, it is a, a new year in the Lord, but the same principle applies. We have to live life. Or we have the choice to go to heaven. I personally am ready to live life. But in living life, we're going to go through situations. And this year, particularly this year, God is going to be glorified in such a way that we have to be listening. So that when we go to bed with one thought and we wake up in the night with divine instruction, we're able to do it. And the, the second thing is that God has a good plan. This isn't a plan that's destructive. 
God's plans are always good. They're always better because we go from glory to glory. And then number three, you have to be in unity with the Holy Spirit to be successful in the kingdom of God. And so whatever the Holy Spirit is saying uh, to you individually in your homes, you have to be in unity. There has to be unity in the home for there to be productive results. There can't be any division. There can be no strife. Those things will stop. If you, in the, in the Spirit-filled Bible, Pastor Billy Joe uh, wrote on a shepherding the supernatural church. Not a church that just has church, but a supernatural. What does that mean? Where you see the miraculous intervention of God all the time. And he said in that particular teaching, he wrote a commentary on James 3. And it said, where there's envy and self-seeking, there's every evil work. And so at all costs, you have to keep that out in order to have divine instruction and be able to carry it out. You cannot have that. And he says right in there, it will stop. It will stop the supernatural power of God. And he makes it number one in his teaching on how to shepherd the supernatural church. So everybody say unity. There has to be unity. There has to be unity. In Ephesians, it says that we, we, we endeavored to keep the, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And how many of you know things go better when there's peace than when there's destruction and strife going on? And so in your situation, whatever it is, make sure that there's unity. And then the last thing God said to me was uh, prepare for change in positions. And, uh, and he gave me the example of Josh Lindblom. Now, he's, he's come here a couple of times. His mother, Tammy, used to come here all the time when he was in school, college and high school. But, um, and, and I don't know Josh, but uh, he was with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think, first. And then he got traded to the Phillies. Then he ended up with the Texas Rangers. And now this year, he's headed to Oakland. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, he's valuable wherever he's needed. Not where he wants to be. He's valuable wherever he's needed. And so he got moved. He, he, you know, and now this year, and I can't imagine he has a wife and a, and a child. And I, and I said to my husband, one of the trades that we saw where he got traded, I think it was from Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, he actually hooked up with uh, Tommy Barnett's son, Matthew, and, and became really an integral part of the Dream Center. And you think, well, now why would God do that to him? I mean, he is, he's hooked into the things of God. Now, he, now he's going to end up in Philadelphia. And, and then now he's going to go to Texas. Well, he has made it back to California. I don't know how far Oakland is. But do you know what? It didn't matter what he was doing for Jesus. He did in Philadelphia. He did it in Texas. And he will do it in Oakland, California. Why? Because it's the call of God. Now, why is God moving him around like that? I have no clue. Except that he had to be willing. Now, in baseball, if you're not willing, my husband said, you know, you won't be playing. It's kind of like you change or you see ya. And so, you know, he's in that profession. He understands. But how many of you know that would be a hardship on him, his family, uh, his parents, you know, all those situations. However, the calling of God, everybody say the calling of God, exalts itself above every other thing in your life. Every other thing. And if you do what God says, everything underneath that, when Jesus is first, then your family will be okay. You can never make it about your family ahead of Jesus. Jesus is first in your life. When you die, you will go to heaven and you will go there alone. And you will be responsible for your life and what God called you to do. Family is 
God's way of expressing himself. But if you don't know Jesus personally, if Joseph had not been willing to listen to Jesus, he could have made a mistake, and Mary would have never carried the Son of God with him. And who knows how that story would have turned out. They were obedient. Adam and Eve were not. And we know the destruction. So in this situation, in this year, above all things, everybody say above all things, Jesus first. When I was standing there this morning, uh, every morning when we come to pray, and anytime I come to play, I hear that song. To you I ascribe all glory, all honor, above everything. In 1979, God told me, you will have to put me first forever. I have, I have missed that sometimes. And I've got other things ahead of that. But we are at a crisis point for this nation. And this church has a part to play in it. We are at a crisis point in the world. And this church has a destiny for it. We were hooked up with Sudan supernaturally. We did not do that. And so when you are assigned at that level of responsibility, a call of God, then everything else comes underneath that. And I say to you, whatever it is for your house, you know, you're going to have to lay aside the past and make sure, without a doubt, you know where you're going forward to. You may not know past this week. I don't know past today. When this service ends, I do not know. However, no matter what, no matter what, we are going after what God has for this church, for your life. That's why you're here. I found that at Victory. Everything Billy Joe went for, we received, but we had to go through it with him. Dear Jesus. And so we were called to a higher level every week. You know, we're out of money. Everybody empty your pockets. And you know what? We'd empty our pockets and everything was taken care of for us that week. But we, we live the miraculous. And we are going to be that church in this community. I believe there'll be others. But this is the key. Jesus first. Everybody say Jesus first. It's got to be all about Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.